to the most accurate podcast my name is anthony stalter alongside me is john paulson john how are we doing this week uh not bad i'm a little tired but i got some coffee here so i'm ready i'm ready to talk some football were you up all night with a newborn <laughs> no then i, I don't just... want to hear your tiredness okay <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's all relative right i mean if you're not sleeping you're not sleeping it doesn't really matter what the what the reason is uh <laughs> But in the Stalter household, we're not sleeping either, so I feel your pain. Um, you got your coffee, though, right? You're good to go? Good to go. All right. Tell us about the music. <laughs> Tell us about the music, then we'll jump into some injury updates. Yeah, I think this was uh, an artist that we featured earlier this season. Uh, I was kind of waiting to feature a second song by him, but Raylan Baxter, this is a, a song off of his 2013 EP, Ashkelon, A-S-H-K-E-L-O-N. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, the name of the, the track is Bad Things. Uh, it's another good like blues rock track, so I'll put it on the Most Accurate Pocket Podcast playlist, which you can find a link for in the show notes. All right, good stuff. Let's talk about those injury updates now. Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins are expected to return in Week 13. John, I imagine full go for fantasy managers. Yes, I think if you have Murray, you've been dying to start him. Um, I think I play you this week in our yes. – I want to say we play each other – and perfect perfect timing. Good. Plug, glad, he's, pl- glad he's Perfect back. timing. Hey, you're still – I have Murray in the lineup. He's he's projected to score 27, and you're still favored to win, 55% to 45%. So Somebody somebody that did that did those projections were drunk, <laughs> were drunk John. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's more like I lost Calvin Ridley and A.J. Brown and some other players. But, that makes sense. Um, good luck to you this week. Yeah, you too. Uh, I need a win. I'm, I'm sliding. The, the jabronis are sliding. Anyway uh, – <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward to start, starting Kelly Murray. Uh, I you know DeAndre Hopkins is not the fancy receiver that managers thought they were getting. Uh, you know drafting him in the first or second round this year, it, the volume just hasn't been there, and it sort of makes sense looking back that with AJ Green coming in, Christian Kirk there, Rondale Moore, uh, now we have Zach Ertz at tight end that uh, the the targets are getting spread around a little bit more, and they were not so concentrated with with Hopkins, but he's still. You know, if he's if he's active and feeling well, I'd like to see him get a full practice in. I don't know if he's going to today, um, but you know, you could probably roll him out there as a as a wide receiver too. He's had enough time here to 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 get healthy or get healthy ish, um, and I, I think they want to get him out there. But uh, Friday's practice will be key, and just you're not you just have to kind of ratchet down your expectations because you're probably not going to get the uh, 140 yards and two touchdowns that sometimes we get from from DeAndre Hopkins. Dalvin Cook is expected to miss at least week 13 and week 14. He's got a torn labrum and a dislocated shoulder, so not good for fantasy managers when it comes to Dalvin Cook. Is Alexander Madsen a fantasy RB1 with Cook out? Yeah, he's been you know excellent in his opportunities as the lead back. Uh, if you look back at what he did in week three and week five when Cook was out. Madison, uh, he saw a massive workload in both games. He had 32 touches for 171 yards in week three. He had 32 touches for 153 yards and a touchdown in week five. 
Um, the second game there was against the Lions, who the Vikings faced this week. So he's already had success against Detroit. Uh, last year he had two starts. Uh, the first was kind of a dud, but in the second game also against the Lions, he had 24 touches for 145 yards and two touchdowns. So I have him ranked in the top five this week, and uh, I think he's a, a very strong play Um uh, really in any format. I mean, the, the, the Lions are 29th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running back, so it's, it's a great matchup as well. We led the podcast today talking about our fantasy teams facing each other this week. Well, you won't have to face DeAndre Swift for my team because he could miss multiple weeks. According to ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, though, he hasn't he hasn't yet been ruled out for week 13. He's firmly on my bench, though, John. Uh, is Jamal Williams a strong play in his place? Uh, he has, as of breaking news, as of right now, uh, he just got ruled out. Sorry to oh, sorry to you trump go. you on that, but <laughs> I, I, I got you. Uh, apparently, uh, Dan Campbell said that he's at least a week away, uh, and you know I'm hearing other things. I'm hearing that they will, you know, would want to shut him down for a while. They want to be cautious with him. I mean, they they don't have a win, <laughs> so I mean the playoffs are not in <laughs> are not possible. So. Rushing him back if he's not 100% is unlikely. Uh, so I think you're going to probably see Jamal Williams a, a lot of him this week. Uh, they do have a couple other running backs there that, that will work into a committee. And he's not – Williams is not as exciting of a start as Madison is. Uh, you know, Williams will be, a, you know, a high-touch workload-type grinder, but the, the Lions don't score a lot of touchdowns, so it's not a sure thing that he's going to get in the end zone or even have an opportunity to score. Uh, but, you know, in fantasy football you follow, especially running backs, you follow the touches so that you, know, you look at what he's got, 15 to 20 touches probably this week. It makes him a fantasy RB2 and, you know, a good spot start, uh, especially in a situation where a lot of owners are, are scrambling trying to find some starters this week. Darrell Henderson, he's got a thigh injury, DMP on Wednesday and Thursday, but Sean McVay said that he is expected to play. Do you trust that information? Well, we'll talk a little bit about a receiver that was expected to play, and now his availability is up in the air uh, a little bit later. Uh, Henderson, he did finish uh, the game last uh, week against the Packers. Uh, He was in there on the last uh, drive, so my assumption is he's going to be able to play through this thigh injury. Uh, Sony Michelle, if, if Henderson were to be out, uh, Michelle would move into probably top 15 area, uh, given the offensive punch and number of touchdowns they're expected to score against the Jaguars. Uh, but I'm expecting right now Henderson to be out there. Josh Jacobs dealing with an ankle injury limited on Thursday. It's a midweek downgrade, which is never, never good news for fantasy managers, John. Yeah, you prefer there not be a midweek downgrade for sure. Uh, we'll see what he's able to do today. Uh, the Raiders are obviously, you know, a West Coast-ish type team and practice late, so we'll probably find out later in the day whether or not he was able to be a full or limited practice. Or if he was, a, if he was a did not practice today, then then I would say his uh, week thirteen's in, in serious doubt. Uh, Kenyon Drake would be. The spot start, I think, uh, with with Jacobs sidelined, if that were to be the case. J.D. McKissick, we saw him on Monday night leave on on a cart. He's got a concussion. He looks doubtful. How much does this help Antonio Gibson managers? Uh, pretty pretty much. Uh, it's a big it's a big uh, bump for him. I think with McKissick out, he's he runs a lot of routes, catches a lot of passes, and Gibson. That's something that Gibson can do when given the opportunity. McKissick is just a little bit better than that at it than he is, and they like to divvy up that that job back there in the in the backfield for the for Washington. So 
if McKissick is out, you're going to probably see more routes and more targets for Gibson. I think that pushes him, him into RB1 territory. Odell Beckham, hip, availability availability up in the air. So you, John, you just mentioned a wide receiver who's availability up in the air. DNP on Thursday, McVay originally said that he was expected to play, but the situation is now worse than it was earlier in the week. So it doesn't sound good for Odell Beckham facing Jacksonville on Sunday. Yeah, this is the player I was alluding to with uh, the McVay talk with uh, Darrell Henderson, or Daryl Henderson, I should call him. <laughs> and uh, I keep calling him Darrell Henderson. Um, in... Uh, in LA and you're looking at Beckham as a, a possible, you know, wide receiver three flex type start after a pretty good game against the Packers last week, but he was uh, seen on the sideline with a heating pack or something on his back hip. So I think that's the same injury that he's dealing with now. And uh, it looks like things have gotten worse this week in terms of his potential availability. And if he's out Van Jefferson, uh, Tyler Higby, I think would get the, the biggest bumps uh, in that uh, in that offense, I don't think there's anybody else that's ready to, to sort of step step up there uh, and be a, a fantasy starter for them. So I think the the targets would probably be divvied up with uh, the running backs, and then uh, Higby and uh, Jefferson, and then Cooper Cup might see 20 targets this week if if Beckham's out. Darren Darren Waller, tight end for the Raiders, dealing with back injuries and a knee injury. DNP on Wednesday and Thursday. Do you think that he's going to play on Sunday when the Raiders take on Washington? I have him out of the rankings right now because he was knocked out of the game last week, and I just didn't, you know, you know, the knee injury that I wasn't expecting him to be back this soon. I mean, the injury was pretty worrisome. I guess it was good. It was good news from the standpoint that it wasn't a torn ACL or anything that was season-ending. But uh, the fact that he hasn't practiced Wednesday, Thursday, just kind of leads me to believe leave him out of the rankings for now. If he does come back for a limited practice today, I'll probably put him in the rankings if it looks like he may play. Um, is that game in Vegas or is it yes. Yes, at Vegas? So it's a late, of course, it's a late game. So if he's questionable heading into the late round game, owners, fantasy managers will want to have uh, a pivot play uh, ready to go. And I think Foster Moreau had six for 60 and a touchdown in the last game that Waller missed. Uh, last week, he had five targets after Waller uh, left the game. He only caught one pass, but he was still part of the offense so you know the production is not great but you know last week but uh you know in the in the game that he got that start uh, he did really produce so he, he'd be a really good pivot uh logan thomas plays in the same game you might find uh o'shaughnessy available for for the jaguars uh so there are some players just look look at the schedule and and see which teams play at at the same, the same time or after the Raiders if you want to pivot away from from Waller if he's questionable this week. What should fantasy managers be doing if their roster, you know, with their rosters as they get past their buys and they're trying to get ready for a playoff run, John? What are what are some of the things that you you do that you can offer some ha- helpful tips when it comes to fantasy managers doing the same thing with their rosters when it comes to to post buys? Yeah, this is the last week of or not the last week, we have one more week of buys, but the second to last week of buys. And as you get past your buys, and your bench doesn't necessarily need to be as deep at every position, uh, specifically receiver or maybe a backup tight end or maybe a backup quarterback that you don't really need. You want to use those roster spots on high upside running back stashes. Uh, This this team that I'm co-owning or co-managing with, uh, Jen uh, Aikens, in the uh, Hall of Fantasy League, uh, the Boston Barflies were seven and five, and we're headed towards the playoffs. And we just 
had some good injury luck with uh, Alexander Madison and now Jamal Williams both being possible starters for us this week because we've been sitting on them. They became available on the waiver wire. Uh, and as those players became available, as other teams were trying to manage their buys, we kind of scooped them up and or stat- stashed them. And that's a good thing to do when you have some roster space. We also picked up Sony Michelle. So if something happens to uh, Daryl Henderson, we'll be sitting on another high upside uh, RB start. Uh, so that's one thing you can do. And the other thing that we try to do, uh, I personally try to do, is do look ahead for, for team defense if you, have, if you play in a league with team defenses. And I will sometimes carry a second defense and you know, look ahead to the playoff matchups and you know, try to find games against the Jaguars or the Jets or teams that are up there and uh, adjusted fantasy points allowed to team defenses. So sometimes you'll carry two defenses and just kind of flip-flop them with the matchups or you might... Uh, look a week ahead and just know that you're going to assign two of your spots to defenses and you know you guys you're you're not fighting with the other players to, to grab a defense that's maybe facing Houston you you pick them up uh, a week in advance so you're you're picking them up when they have a bad matchup and nobody wants them then they sit on your bench for a week and then you get to plug them in as you use your other spot to to grab another defense. So that's one way to stream or use a committee at, on defense. And as you have some roster flexibility and bench flexibility because you're past your buys, you can start cutting these wide receiver sixes, wide receiver fives, or tight end twos or quarterback twos and use those roster spots uh, either on high upside RB stashes or on uh, multiple defenses. Before we get into the Thursday night football game, let's talk about Elijah Mitchell for a second. You know, back in week two, you advocated that fantasy managers put big F, uh, put big fab down on Mitchell. He's now coming off a 168-yard game, and he surpassed 91 rushing yards in four of his last five five starts. Uh, John, I know you got a lot of crap for that on on <laughs> you know Twitter and social media. Why would you spend all your fab on on one player, especially earlier in the year? You disgust me, John Paulson. You know things like that. Uh, but why did you advocate for a big big bid on Mitchell? Obviously, it has worked out. And anybody that followed your advice, well, they're they're certainly reaping the the benefits right now. Yeah, and sometimes you know these. Don't, these bids don't always work out right away. And the reason um, it's nice to do a victory lap at least once in a while on a player like this or on a, on a call like this is because I did see, you know, a couple of weeks in where he had an injury and I saw a bunch of tweets saying, oh, just a few weeks ago, everybody was bidding so high on Mitchell. Oh, that seems so long or, you know, whatever, like a bunch of morons were bidding on Elijah Mitchell. Well, it's worked out. So he's healthy now and he's running like uh, the wind, I guess you could say, and uh, had the huge game last week. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned the multiple 90-yard, 100-yard games in the last five, and uh, he has been the correct choice in this backfield. And the way I looked at it at the time, and you can go back to our week two waiver wire watch if you want to read the whole thing, but I wrote like a five, six-paragraph diatribe, I called it, <laughs> on it because I wanted to like lay out if I was going to say you need to put your fat, all your fab down on or a lot of your fab down on Mitchell, I needed to explain the whole reasoning behind it. And the, the crux of it was we knew from the game against Detroit, I think that was week one, that the pecking order was Mostert, Mitchell, Hasty, and then Sermon, who was inactive. And all offseason we thought Sermon was going to be working his way into the lead back role or at least be the primary backup to Mostert. Um since Mostert 
went down early and then Mitchell handled like 19 of the remaining 22 backfield touches. It was very clear that he was the number two guy in that, in that pecking order. But I mean, the sermon apologists were saying, well, he was just inactive. Maybe he was being punished. You know, he's obviously the the running back that they want in that spot because they traded up to get him. And that all like makes logical sense other than the fact that he was inactive in week one. Like that didn't make a whole lot of sense. Then you get into what, you know, the, there's this perception that Kyle Shanahan and his quote unquote Shanahanigans uh, <laughs> changing is making it very difficult to to peg down who is the the top running back in San Francisco, but that's just the perception. The reality was that since Mostert took over the RB one role, he had double digit uh, carries in twelve of thirteen games where he was healthy enough to play the following week, so he didn't get injured. He had a few games where he got injured, knocked out, and then all of a sudden, you know. Other players were stepping up and, and scoring big, uh, having big fantasy lines for uh, for fantasy managers. But he averaged 15.6 touches in those 13 games, 94 total yards, 1.08 touchdowns per game. Does that sound familiar, that sort of production? <laughs> with, it absolutely With does. Mostert now and, and Mitchell yeah. now. So that's his guy. That's, I mean, that's, that's so, his scheme. Yeah. And so once he picked Mostert as his RB1, he stuck with him. And that's what I thought he was doing here with Mitchell. So, uh, you know, it wasn't, I didn't know that Mitchell would be as good as Mostert or that, but he had the same, he looks like Mostert, honestly. He's fast and kind of slight and runs Shanahan's scheme the way he wants it run. And I think he has proven that over the course of the, of the, of the season. And, you know, Sermon was more of a bigger back, a slower, uh, more of a, like a Jeff Wilson type. So, that's why I said it. I said uh, 80% or more if I needed help at running back. I'd be very aggressive. I said 30 to 50%. If you're in a casual league, I would go get them because I think you're adding an RB2 to your to your roster at the cost of Fab. And that's, I mean, Fab, I like to spend my Fab early on a player that I, I, I identify really quickly as, as having starter potential, especially in area weakness, which was, for me, in most of my leagues, it was my running back situation. Um, so that's why... I, I went so high on it. I did. I mean, I backed it up with my own teams. I, I think I got him in every league and um, not every team's going to the playoffs, but he's certainly helping here at, at the end of the season. And right now we've got him ranked in the top 10, top five. Um, so looking back, uh, it was the right move to make, even if he flames out the rest of the, the year, he, he was the, he was the starter for, for Shanahan. And that's worth something, especially that 49 running game. No question. Absolutely. All right. Before we get into the Thursday night football game, remember, if you want a free rest of season DFS or be it betting subscription, all you have to do is deposit $20 or $35 at prize picks and you're going to get a free subscription. Top it all off. If you're a new FFPC user, you'll also get a $35 coupon to play in one of their leagues. For details, go to 444.com slash plans. And if you can't take advantage of the prize picks deal, you can get a classic subscription for $9, a pro subscription for $14, a DFS subscription for $24, and a rest of season betting subscription for $44. So if you've been on the fence at all about joining 444.com, uh, now's the time to jump, man. There's there's so many great pri- pricing opportunities uh, for subscriptions. You can check out the rest of the year and and hopefully come back next year if, uh, if, you, if you like what the site offers. Let's get into the Thursday night football matchup, John. Uh, it wasn't pretty in some respects. Fantasy managers might be disappointed in others, but we'll, we'll start off with the Cowboys. Dak Prescott, 26 of 40, 238 yards, uh, one touchdown, one pick. He's thrown an interception in every single road game this year. I think that makes five or six straight road games that he's thrown a pick. That one came late. 
Ezekiel Elliott banged up. He finishes with only 45 yards on the ground. Disappointing night from a receiving standpoint. Targeted three times, only caught two of them for two two yards. Tony Pollard was kind of the the, the key backfield uh, player for the Cowboys. Seven carries, 71 yards, had the long of 58 and a touchdown. CeeDee Lamb, 13 targets, seven catches, 89 yards. Dalton Schultz, Schultz called all five of his targets for 43 yards. Michael Gallup, an incredible touchdown where you know he got the Cowboys on the board when he, he went up high and kept his feet in. Uh, he, he finishes the night with five catches, 36 yards, and a touchdown. Amari Cooper upon his return, not great, but he did have 41 receiving yards on two catches. What did you make of Dallas' side of things last night? Yeah, this was a, you know, from a rankings, this is my job doing rankings standpoint. It was an interesting last few minutes of this game because we were trying to figure out, number one, was Amari Cooper going to be active? And he was active. We find that out 90 minutes before game time. Uh, the word had kind of leaked during the day that he was going to be limited. Uh, and then, so I had him at 30, I think, at, at wide receiver 30 and half PPR. I had Gallup at like 25 and or 26 maybe and then uh, Michael Gelkin put out a tweet and this is why I would encourage all subscribers to get in on the uh, 44 discord uh, because I did retweet it so if you follow me on Twitter you saw it but I also uh, posted the tweet in my uh, John's announcements channel in the discord and then I said I moved Cooper from 30 to 50 ish in half PPR and Gallup and Sh- uh, Dalton Schultz got a little bit of a bump and Noah Brown got a little bit of a bump uh, in in the projections so uh, that worked out as that one worked out as planned. I mean, I don't think anybody that started Cooper last night's real happy with his two for 41 on two targets. Uh, I didn't, haven't looked at his snap share, but I think it was probably, uh, reduced. Uh, but, uh, Gallup ended up with five for 36 and a touchdown, nine targets. CD lamb, obviously seven for 89, 13 targets. As you mentioned, Schultz had a pretty good game, you know, for a tight end five for 43. Um, so, that worked out nicely. I think I faded Elliott in the rankings as well. I had him at 18. I think the we'll, we'll talk about the, the Saints here, and I did. You know, I think I overestimated what Mark Ingram would be able to do against the the Dallas uh, Cowboy defense. But uh, I, I really wanted, in my heart of hearts, to rank Tony Pollard ahead of Ezekiel Elliott this week, but I couldn't pull the trigger because Elliott. That's typically when Elliott will give one of his two two touchdown games or something. But you look at what the the Cowboys were able to do against the the Saints, and as far as a rushing attack, and you know, the Saints have one of the best rush defenses in the league, if not the best. You know, they got 58 yards on Pollard's scamper, and then they got a 33-yard run, which is really a catch for Ceedee Lamb. They didn't get a whole lot else. Like it was 19 carries for I think 58 yards, if you combine Pollard's and Elliott's carries and subtract the 58-yard run. Just wasn't a lot there, but he broke. But Pollard has that ability to break that run and then really get out. Uh, and uh, that was the one mistake that the the Saints' rush defense really made. Uh, and then looking at Dak Prescott, you would hope for a lot better than two thirty eight and a touchdown and a, and a pick against the the Saints, who are pretty uh, pass funnel and not that great against the pass. So there was some yardage there to be had, and they did make some progress, but it wasn't uh, the type of offensive output that you would hope for from the Cowboys. But part of that was that they uh, got that interception return touchdown to make it 27. So that the offense only scored 20 points. 
All right, let's dive into the Saints thing. Side of things, not a great night for Taysom Hill. He did throw two touchdown passes. He did throw for 264, although a big chunk of that was gained by Harris on a 70-yard catch and run uh, for a touchdown on the Saints' final scoring drive. Mm -hmm. He also threw four interceptions. He rushed for 101 yards, long at 24. He only did have 11 carries, but Taysom Hill, from a fantasy standpoint, yeah, the four picks aren't good, but he... From a yardage standpoint, he threw for 264. He rushed for 101. And he had the two touchdowns, so pretty good. Uh, Mark Ingram, as you noted, you know, 10 carries, 28 yards, not great. Uh, didn't get, wasn't involved in the passing game at all. Harris wound up being the leading receiver because of that 70-yard touchdown. He finishes with 96. That TD on four receptions. Humphrey two catches for 49 yards and a touchdown. Disappointing night, I think, for Smith. Uh, they they just couldn't get on the same page. Hill was either underthrowing him or throwing behind him, but he only finishes with 15 yards on on two receptions. Uh, that was kind of the main takeaways there for the, the the Saints side of things, John. Yeah, and it's hard to start any of these uh, New Orleans receivers. I had uh, Smith ranked the highest, and he was like 47th, and then Harris next, and then uh, Callaway, I think, third of the three because of the way things have been trending, and Harris has been the more productive fantasy receiver of late for sure. And uh, I saw the highlight of that uh, Harris touchdown run that was pretty impressive he just kept running and running and running and you're waiting for him to get tackled and nobody makes the tackle uh yeah i think the problem with ingram and i looking back on it he had 18 uh and 22 touches in the two games that he got starts and you know alvin kamara was out and i was expecting something similar i was expecting 15 to 20 uh, touches for him again but he just wasn't involved as a receiver or only two targets they they gave uh, ty montgomery seven targets uh, so most of that receiving work went to Montgomery. And then uh, the running game just wasn't clicking. The offensive line injuries kind of caught up to the Saints this week, and you only had the 10 carries for 28 yards, so there really wasn't a big role for him this week. I mean, 11 touches is about half of what he had in the last game. So um, so got the got the Elliott fade right and got the, the Ingram uh, ranked him a little <laughs> bit too high. But, uh, I mean, I... As I mentioned earlier, you're expecting fancy production from those players that are going to get you 15 to 20 plus touches, and I was expecting that from Ingram this week. But I think with Taysom Hill under center, it changes that offense quite a bit. And if he's going to carry the ball 11 times, it's just fewer touches for everybody else to go around. Let's get into some sneaky starts. Wrap up the podcast with a week 13. Caught a couple of quarterbacks: Taylor Heineke, who faces the Raiders, and Tua Tagovailoa is going to nice matchup against the Giants. Yeah, and uh, Hill was a uh, sneaky start, and he nice. ended up, I think, even with the, and I want to mention that, even though he had a bad game, he still ended up with 20 fantasy points, I think, uh, with the 100 yards rushing and all of the yards passing and the couple touchdowns that offset the four interceptions, but, and the one interception, I think the first one was not really his fault, he threw, did throw it into triple coverage, but it was, uh, it hit the hands of his receiver, and then it was really an amazing play by the Cowboys to make that interception, but he was a sneaky start, he ended up, uh, I had some people tweeting at me about uh, their nervousness heading into the game with with Hill, but uh, he was good last year as a fantasy guy. It's it's, it's funny with him because he can have a bad game and still post really good fantasy numbers. Uh, but enough about Taysom Hill. Uh, Heineke really wasn't that great against Seattle, but he has a second touchdown to Logan Thomas that was overturned uh, last week, and uh, he's through his mediocre to tough schedule, uh, strength of schedule wise, and he's got the Raiders this week. They're 25th in adjusted fantasy points allowed. Uh, to quarterbacks, they've yielded 245 yards uh, on average and 1.82 uh, passing touchdowns per game this season. So it's a nice matchup for Heineke. Uh, Tua doesn't have as good of a matchup. The Giants' pass defense is actually playing 
uh, pretty well, but uh, Tua has scored at least 16.2 fantasy points in the five of the six games where he's played 96% or more of the snaps. So, um, And then I think he's getting Devontae Parker back this week, so he's got a pretty good set of weapons to throw to. A couple of running backs, I know we talked about him a little bit earlier, but a couple of sneaky star running backs, Jamal Williams and Sony Michelle. Uh, yes, so Swift only played 20% of the snaps on Thanksgiving. Uh, Williams saw 63% of the snaps. It was a season high. He had 20 touchdowns, or 20 touchdowns, 20 touches, and five uh, catches, including five catches into 83 total yards. Not entirely productive, but the Vikings, uh, as we mentioned earlier, gave up 168 total yards to Elijah Mitchell. Uh, prior to that, they gave up 97 total yards to A.J. Dillon. Those are back-to-back weeks, so I think he's. I think Jamal Williams will be able to grind out, you know, eighty to ninety total yards, and maybe get a touchdown for you, and probably get some catches. So pretty good fantasy day if he does all that. Um, and uh, Sony Michelle, if uh, even if Daryl Henderson plays, I think Michelle is a decent start because if they jump out on a big lead against Jacksonville, I could easily see the Rams shutting Henderson down in the second half and letting Michelle you know, carry the load and, and maybe approach 15 touches in that game. And who knows what he could do with that. So I think even, I mean, obviously if Henderson is out, Michelle becomes a top 15 type play. Uh, but if Henderson plays, I feel, still think he's worth it if you're in a tough spot, because I think he's probably going to see, or he's got at least got a good chance to see more touches than he usually does with Henderson uh, banged up in the matchup against the Jaguars. A couple of sneaky star wide receivers. How about Josh Reynolds and Deshaun Jackson? Yeah, we're going pretty deep on uh, the receiver position this week. <laughs> Reynolds had uh, three catches for 70 yards and five targets. Oh, he had a touchdown as well and five targets in his first game with uh, Jared Goff since their time in L.A. together. So they've got the, uh, I don't know if it's called the shower narrative. What it's, they're very familiar with one another. They've, they've got the uh, the history together, and the, 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 the Lions are extremely thin at receiver, as we know, uh, and the Vikings are 31st in adjusted fantasy points allowed to uh, wide receivers they've given up an average of 216 yards and 1.4 touchdowns uh, to the wide receiver position per game since week eight and Deshaun Jackson just keep an eye on his uh, calf injury I guess he's got a calf spasm but it looks like they're not too worried about it I kind of like Jackson this week he he had uh, the the big game last week and you don't want to chase his stats too often he had three for 102 and a touchdown on four targets against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving he loves to kill the Cowboys but he also likes to play against his old team, Washington. Uh, he had uh, three previous matchups with him, with them after leaving the team. Uh, he had two for 46 on seven targets, uh, eight for 154 and two touchdowns on nine targets, and five for 67 on eight targets. Obviously, that's a younger Jackson, but he's always getting pretty good usage, seven, eight, nine targets. Uh, so I think he's a dart throw. Uh, and the Raiders need him, like losing Henry Ruggs. And that aspect that he brought, that speed aspect that he brought to the offense, Jackson's basically a plug-and-play, even though he's not going to see as many snaps as Ruggs did. Uh, he's he's going to be out there on those big uh, big play balls, and uh, if he can catch one of them, then that you know makes him a worthy dart throw. And then a couple of tight ends that you like, John. Jack Doyle and Brevin Jordan. <laughs> it looked like you had to pause there to yeah. say Brevin Jordan. I, well... <laughs> <laughs> not a name. It's not a name I'm I'm familiar with, and I'm a pretty big football fan. But uh, yeah, yep. Brevin, Brevin Jordan. You talk about getting deep in the in the weeds with wide receivers. We're here with tight ends too. Yeah, he's the last in the list of sneaky starts this week. I'll get him a little bit, a little bit later, but I just the, the pause got me. Uh, Jack Doyle, uh, Houston's 27th in just fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Uh, Doyle had 
uh, caught six of seven targets last week, uh, 81, 81 yards and a touchdown against the Buccaneers. It was third straight game with at least five targets. So his routes and snaps haven't really jumped a lot, but his targets have jumped a little bit, and he's getting consistent looks. So he's probably out there in the waiver wire, and if he is, he's not a bad streaming option this week. Uh, the Texans have given up forty at least 40 yards and or a touchdown to nine different tight ends this season, so it's a nice spot. Um now watch uh, Mo Ali Cox have a, his career game, but back to Brevin Jordan for the Texans. He's a rookie. Uh, he led uh, the team, and they've basically given up on Jordan Aikens, uh, and he's been a healthy scratch. I think the last couple of weeks, but Brevin Jordan has been playing more and more. He led the team and uh, the tight ends, the tight end group in routes run with twenty last week, and that led to a three catch, twenty three yard touchdown day. Um, the Colts are 31st in just a fancy points allowed to tight ends. They've given up big games to Rob Gronkowski, Dawson Knox, Dan Arnold, Ryan Griffin, who've all gotten a touchdown or at least 60 yards receiving, and that's just in the last four games. So, uh, you know, they're trying to get Jordan involved in that offense, and the Texans, as you know, don't have a ton of weapons in the passing game, but they, uh, they want to get Jordan going, and he's having a pretty good finish to his rookie season. John, last week's breakout receiver model didn't have as much success as it did in week 11, but it still predicted big games for Mark Andrews, Van Jefferson, T. Higgins, and Brandon Cooks. Who's popping in this week's model? Yeah, typically, you know, one out of three will be hits, and that's actually a pretty good week or a decent week. And I think a couple weeks ago, we had one out of two were hits, 50% were hits, and um, last week it was more like the one out of three. But this week, uh, the top of the model is Chase Claypool, uh, just underperforming a, a, a decent bit, and uh, he's he's a good, talented receiver. So I'd like to see him, and when he's in these models, uh, uh, he tends to break out fairly quickly once he's in. Uh, the Seattle receivers, I guess there's just a tweet or uh, inf- some information saying that DK Metcalf, uh, the uh, Shane Waldron wants to get DK Metcalf the ball. So usually when coaches come out and announce that they're going to get somebody the ball, the player has a pretty good game the following week. Uh, but Tyler Lockett is number two in, in the breakout receiver model, and Metcalf is number three. Uh, and then also further down the line, like a Marquise Brown is always interesting when he's in there because he uh, has been efficient and been really productive and is having a great year. But uh, obviously in the last three weeks or so, or the last three games, uh, underperforming his usage a little bit. So he may may pop as well. All right, John, great stuff as always. You can follow John on Twitter at 44 underscore John. If you'd like to follow me, you can at Anthony Stalter. We appreciate uh, all the love that you give us throughout the course of the season. And make sure you follow us if you haven't already on wherever you download your podcast. Give us a follow. I hope you enjoyed this weekend's The Most Accurate Podcast. And best of luck if you're playing this weekend. Fantastic. We hope you do well. And we'll be back on the next time. Or we'll be back next time week in week uh, 14, which is crazy to think we're already in week 13 and heading into week 14 a week from now. For John Paulson, I'm Anthony Stalter. This has been the Most Accurate Podcast.
done a bad thing And I'm paying for it all right now